day 271. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. I'm John. And I'm Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it uh, to look through it and see God. We don't come to it primarily to look at it and see ourselves. All right. And here mm. we find ourselves in the epistles, right? So the like one of the last major genres of scripture, right? So just a heads up, if we're trying to think of the Bible as yeah. a window that we look through it and see God and realize that Jesus is the point of all of the scriptures, that all scriptures are just going to give us different framings on how we should see and understand Jesus, then it's helpful to think of it in five ways, right? The Old Testament is the anticipation, right? So we're all waiting for Christ to come. The windows are a little bit foggy, but we can see the outline of somebody in the distance. Amen. The Gospels, fog is cleared away. Jesus is on the scene. We see what he does, right? So that's the manifestation. The book of Acts is the proclamation. So now that yeah. we've seen what God has done, we see people <clears throat> proclaiming all of what he's done. Now the epistles are going to be the explanation, right? Yeah, 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 this is what Christ has done. Let me explain what it means in the way that we live our lives. Mm. And the book of <laughs> Romans is explanation, boy. explanation, <laughs> right? Yeah. So mm. there's a few ways that we can go through this and one thing that we can do is we can spend time and kind of dig into the nuances of all the things that we see here. Uh, but that would turn this little eight minute daily podcast into a 80 minute podcast. <laughs> One yeah. of the other things that we can do though is uh, track the argument, right? So throughout mm. these books, you know, Paul, Peter, James, all of them are going to make arguments and that's going to mm -hmm. be probably the best way for us to understand what's being said. So, all right, the book of Romans. Yeah, uh, yeah, so much, man. Um, again, this is an epistle, and just really quick, like the epistles are um, are like the social media of the ancient world, right? That's good. So, like, this is the only way to communicate with someone from a distance, right? And right. To communicate through an epistle was actually a substitute of one's presence, mm. right? And so Paul is going to be very, very strategic about what he does say and doesn't say. So we'll just start off from the beginning. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was a descendant of David, according to the flesh, and was appointed to be the powerful son of God, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. This is the beginning, but it is important for framing the entire letter and it's usually glossed over right right so in these first four verses paul's gonna say the gospel is of god right it's right. about god it yeah. is about him and what he's done and he says yo this actual gospel i'm talking about it's actually all throughout the old testament right right right, so right. what he's gonna do in romans like paul will quote the old testament a ton throughout all his letters half of his old testament quotations are in romans alone mm. so he's showing that the gospel is all throughout the text, bro. Right. You got to go to the text to see this. Right, right, right. And then he says it's it's about Jesus, really. Right. It's concerning Jesus. It's about God, but it's concerning specifically the person and work of Jesus, who was the senator of David, according to the flesh, but also has become 
appointed to be son of God in power. What is he saying? He's not saying that Christ became the son of God at his resurrection. Right. But he's saying he has become the heavenly enthroned son of God at the right hand of the father who rules over the entire universe at his resurrection. Right. His resurrection is really the actual turning point of his whole argument and the gospel itself. So Paul gets it in. That's four dope. verses. Yeah. And he's letting us know what it do. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so in these first four chapters, what Paul's mm -hmm. going to do is Paul's going to talk about righteousness, how we yes. get it, how it comes to us, right? And on mm -hmm. route to being able to do that, Paul's going to say, wait, 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 wait. Before I talk about righteousness and the solution, yeah. let me talk about the problem. Because a problem well-defined mm -hmm. is a problem half solved. So chapters one through three of Romans yeah. is going to be all about Paul saying, listen, everybody is sinful. Yes. Everybody, like Paul's saying, I don't care where you come from. Chapter one, if you're a Gentile and a pagan, mm -hmm. you're sinful. Chapter mm -hmm. two, all right, Jews, don't think Judaism is going to save you. You're mm -hmm. sinful, right? So chapter two, one to three, 20. And so in chapters one through three, Paul's really going to outline all of this and say, yo, the, the like capstone verse comes in 323, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul just want to make sure that everybody knows that we're on the same plane before mm. God, desperately mm. in need. Mm, absolutely. And one of the things, just kind of briefly about the Jews and Gentiles, right. he, he says in the beginning that the gospel is to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, right? Right. Because the Jews receive the promises of God and they are supposed to bring those promises to God to the world, right? He says right. that in 116 through 17. That's actually the thesis statement, right? Right. Yeah. So whenever you're thinking about Romans, think of 116 through 17 as the thesis statement. But then the way he argues is the reverse. Right. So he'll start with the Gentiles. He'll right. say, yo, like, hey, fam, y'all without excuse, right? God, through what God, he starts with, he says with creation, right? Kind of like he did in the book of Acts. Yeah. Like he's like, yo, you look at everything out there, you really know God, but you're suppressing the very things you know. Right. How do you know it? Because of what he's made. Right. It's clear. It's evident. He'll use those words. Yeah. And guess what? You are without excuse. Then he says, Jews, hold on, hold on. I, I'm, I'm talking to y'all too. Right, 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 right. <laughs> right. Don't, don't, don't judge because guess what? You do some of the same things and it's actually worse because y'all have the law. Whoa. It is specific. You yeah. don't have to look at the trees in the sky and say, oh, yeah, there's a God. Right. No, no, no. You have the written words of God on stones, tablets, and the tradition and the scriptures. And he says, guess what? Y'all are under sin too. And some of y'all are hypocrites because y'all are saying, hey, man, y'all doing this. Y'all deserve the condemnation of God. And he's like, you do the same thing. So in other words, But y'all just God found is sophisticated ways to do the yo, same thing. Sanctified oh. ways. You've just baptized, <laughs> right? Your greed yeah. in loopholes yes. that you found in scripture. Yes. And it's like, yo, God is not just going to hold us to uh, this his His standards, but he's going to hold us to our own standards. Right. We can't even keep our own standards. Right. Yeah. Paul is like, fam, this is how bad it is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And God is righteous. Like you said, bro, God is so righteous that he has to deal with this sin. Right. He has to deal with wrath. And that is a way, actually, that he's going to prove himself righteous by dealing with uh, this sin and bringing his wrath. Absolutely. But then in three, uh, Paul starts yep. to make the shift and he's like, yo, listen, uh, but the righteousness of God actually comes apart from the law, right? Mm, so it's mm, like y'all mm. had looked to the law to save you, but the law yes. didn't save you. The law was meant to provide a diagnosis, right? The problem well-defined is 
a problem half solved, mm-hmm. when we find ourselves at the end of the law, right, then it's here that we can finally start to see something about the righteousness of God. Chapter three ends say, saying, look, yo, if righteousness comes apart from the law, then what that means is that there's nobody that can boast, right? So all this Amen. is about your humility. And then chapter four, I wish we had time to go into the depths. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Paul one, hits him with a one, a Mike Tyson, one, two, rhetorical return, flurry. All right, Paul's like this. All right, righteousness. All right, let's go and look. When's mm-hmm. the first time you see it in the Bible? It's mm-hmm. not in Exodus after the law. It's actually mm-hmm. with Abraham. And look, Mm. Abraham believes God and it's counted to him as righteousness. Genesis 15, one through six. And then later on, God talks to Abraham and says this, yo fam, 400 years from now, your descendants are going to be enslaved, but I'm going to set them free and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And God predicts the Exodus, right? Mm -hmm. So what you have is this, after the Exodus is when God gives them the law. And Paul's Mm. saying, look, Abraham was saved 400 years before God ever gave the law on those stone tablets. Mm -hmm. So how does uh, obedience to the law come before righteousness? Paul's saying that just don't work. Righteousness Mm -hmm. has always come apart from the law. I'm just trying to make it plain. Yep. And it's funny because if you know the, the the history, like between the Old Testament and New Testament, in that time, a lot of Jews started to believe that Abraham was a guy. They would say, yo, like Abraham actually was perfect. Like he kept the law before the law was actually even given. They right. argue. And so Paul is like, let me get you right. <laughs> right. He is justified. Listen, in Genesis 15. Right. Genesis 17, he right. gets circumcised. Right. So that's why Paul is like, yo, like. No, no, no. Like it, it doesn't matter. Circumcision doesn't matter because technically Abraham is the father, not just of Jews, but of Gentiles because he was righteous before, before circumcision. he was circumcised. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So he kills him. <laughs> I feel. And it's like, we like, oh, snap. <laughs> so he's like, technically he was an uncircumcised righteous person. Right. Just like you and I are. Right. right like technically. Right. So just like the Gentiles are. And then he says this, this is what like made me like scream. He <laughs> says, yo, let me tell you what he believed God for. We say he believed God. What did he believe him for? Right. He says, fam, his body was as good as dead. Mm. And his wife's body, her womb was dead. Right. So what Abraham believed was that God could bring life out of death. Bro. And then he says, yo, it's, this is not just for him. If you believe that God brought life out of death in Jesus, <laughs> right. you are righteous. I love it. So, so he's saying like, this is in the scriptures, but it's all centered on the person and work of Jesus. That's it's what death I'm and resurrection, bro. Bro, and you know, that ain't even in this book, but in Hebrews, when it talks yeah. about not just the initial birth of, of their son, but when mm-hmm. Abraham had to kill Isaac when God called, it said he believed that God could raise somebody from the dead. So Paul's saying, yes. Yo, listen, this faith in the resurrection, it ain't nothing new. This yes. has been what our faith has been based on. Mm. And that don't come about by adherence or obedience to the Mm. law, right? One of the things that I do love though, and I do want to kind of come here as we close up, Romans is going to be book ended with this one term in one five and in 16, nine, Paul's going to say, 
I'm writing this because I want to bring about the obedience of faith. So Paul's going to make sure that our faith is right, but it's in order that from that faith would flow obedience, right? And we're going to get into this tomorrow, that faith in God doesn't uh, uh, um, give us a doctor's note where we're exempt from obedience. Faith in God is going to actually be the thing that fuels yeah, yeah. right and proper obedience. But Amen. righteousness comes apart from the law. That's the good news that we can rejoice in today. We don't yeah. have to earn it. God gives it as a gift. And Amen. all we have to do is just come with the empty hands of faith. Amen. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would make us those today that are grateful for your amazing salvation in Christ. Would you remind us, Lord, that the righteousness that we've received from you is a gift. It's not anything that we've earned and it's rooted in hope that this life that we have in front of us is not all that there is. I pray that you would live us or help us to live as if uh, there's something more than this life that we see. It's in Jesus name we pray.